This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Wednesday, it's the 18th of October 2023. Today, good news about Google and Xbox, sad news if you own a Sunu band. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? Hmm, I'm perplexed today, Stephen Scott. I think the word is perplexed. Is that the word? Is that the one you've chosen today? Well, that's what I'm using. I don't know if it's right or not, but my internet. I cannot understand it. One minute it's fine, the next minute it's not. Internet, it's it's the, it's so confusing, isn't it? It should be easy. It's just there, but it's not there. I've well said that. Uh, yeah, we've been having a few recording issues, <sighs> issues, issues. Yes, in the past few days, uh, for whatever reason, we don't know why we've been playing around with our, our settings, and we mm. obviously have all these different devices connected. It's not like we're just hooked in with a microphone, as <laughs> some might be. I mean, it's funny. Even on the road, I thought it would be so much easier. I used my Audio Technica microphone. If you're getting into podcasting, by the way, guys, you've got to get yourself an Audio Technica. I think it's a twenty one hundred X. I think that's twenty one hundred X. Yes, it's that's very, the one of the moment. Very versatile because it's got the XLR um, connection and USB C connection. It's both mics. It's really cool. So you could, if you've got like one of those mixing desks or a console or something, you could plug it into that. Say you got like the the Focusrite Vocaster, you could plug it into that with the XLR cable. That's the round adapter with the three pins. Or if you've got the USB C option. Uh, which you will have if you've got that device. You've got that as well. So you could just plug it directly into the computer. And the great thing, this is the best yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Because for us screen reader users, <laughs> you can plug in your headphones and the sound will come back out of the microphone. Not out of the microphone, it's not a speaker. No. Out of the headphones connected to the microphone. The 3.5 mil jack at the back yeah. of the microphone. And of course, you can connect it straight to your iPhone. You can hear a voiceover coming yes, out of can. that. And you can use the mic. It's a beautiful sounding <gasps> mic. With my so iPhone 15. USB-C directly <gasps> to it. Oh, wow. I never oh, thought of that. Well, there you go. You're welcome. Okay, as I of am... tomorrow. Right. Do you know what? Uh, uh, Tomorrow's show, I'm going to record recording. that way. Yeah, I'm going to record it that way. I want to record through my oh. iPhone and we'll see what it sounds like. Well... Okay, we're really struggling with this one. We are recording on like 15 different backups here. So you will, it'll be fine when you're listening right now. Great listener that you are. It'll be great. But um, yeah, we're struggling a little bit here. I'm getting 40 megabits download speed on my, sorry, I know this is a bit technical. Sorry. But how dare you? I'm getting 40 megabits download speed here. By the way, go to fast.com and find out what your internet speed is. It will be absolutely faster than that. I'm paying for 500 megabits and I am getting 40. It's a disgrace. And no idea. I turned my internet, my router or router, depending on where you are, turned my router off yesterday to try and, you know, turn it off and on again. Fixes all your issues. It took me about an hour to get myself back online again. It is, ah, oh, it, it's, it's just, it's like magic, the internet. No matter how technical you think you are, it will frazzle your brain. Yeah, especially when you add in all these mesh networks as well, because oh. like I tried to restart my Eero network. I've got the Eero mesh network and I love it. It's great. I mean, it does the job really well. 
sometimes though you think, yeah, maybe usually in my case, it's like the, the smart bulbs don't, you know, start up. They don't come to life at any point. You think, yes. okay, that's weird. Or it'll take a long time to respond. Uh, so I'll say to Lady A, you know, turn on living room lights and, you know, 10 seconds later, she's still thinking about it. And then one by one, they sort of start to like yawning into life. <laughs> like, like a horror film. Yes. Suddenly <laughs> you just flickering think, on, on and off. And then you think, right, okay, so I'll, I'll just restart everything. And that will be the easy option, right? Because you go through the app and you can restart the network. And that's great because it will individually switch off all the different devices and then bring them all back up, put them together again. Beautiful. Uh, in theory. Although I did find a problem yesterday that I was quite pleased the app was able to resolve, which was it said in the app, oh, you'll have to restart everything manually, or do you want us to do it? And I'm thinking, why are you even asking me that question? Why yes. would I want to do it if you can do it? So, yeah, you do it. And it did, and it was all working fine after that. So, yeah, it's it's a strange thing with, with internet. And, you know, I think that's the problem. And, you know, and there's nothing we can do about it because you call up the company, good luck getting through to anybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Turn it's it just, off and it's on. Just, you go through yeah, that whole exactly. script that they got. Everybody you talk to thinks you know nothing about anything. You know, yeah, you contact well, them up, and it's like, oh, so uh, we're going to we're going to ask you. So there's a thing in your house called a router. Like, yeah, I know all this. <laughs> just just skip all this nonsense. I know. I know. Some people might not. I get that, but you know, I'm okay. All right. This is what I I I know my stuff. And actually, it's even worse when you say that sometimes. If you yes. dare to say, I know what I'm talking about. Never say it's that. almost like. Yeah, right. And then yeah, they just, they just make the it even more difficult. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what's your TCIP versus your uh, IP64? You're like, what? <laughs> well, yeah, 100% on that. Yeah. yeah, let me go back to asking you, is that light blinking red or orange? So, yeah, <laughs> I can't right, see yeah. it. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that actually, seriously, is a, is, a, is a problem. And it's interesting. A few people I've seen on uh, various social media talking about how they use Be My AI now for this. If they, if they, you know, wonder if something's working or not, or something's, you know, I, I actually, a classic example of this is my ring doorbell battery. I can never work out when it's charged or not. Um, and, and that's a great excuse. It's a great way to use Be My AI. You can take a picture of it and you can say, what color are these lights? And it will tell you. Love that. That's very cool. Didn't even think of that. Very nice. Um, okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to relax. I'm taking a breath. Okay. Everything is great. I'm in my happy place. Yeah, and we're in a happy place. We're here. It's fine. We've got the hour. We can vent about lots of things, and goodness knows there's plenty to talk about. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I came into this week thinking, ah, there's probably not going to be a lot of news this week. It's going to be quite quiet. And then Google and Xbox both dropped news. Breaking yeah. news. They dropped announcements uh, mm. of new accessibility features. I follow the wonderful Paul Thorot, who... Uh, writes on a lot of different Windows-based uh, articles normally, but uh, this one he's uh, picked up on these new features. And this is where I'm reading a lot of this information, which is absolutely interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll link to this. But talking about things like Google Assistant, users getting options to customize routines now, which are used to automate multiple actions with a single command. Google Assistant now lets users choose different shortcut styles with a custom size and image for their routine, which can help people to uh, make their uh, shortcuts more recognizable on the home screen, which is kind of interesting. Uh, this is not okay. new to us iPhone users, okay? Because I think we could probably do this through shortcuts. Although, I would argue I don't find that the shortcuts thing very easy to understand. Well, accessible, perhaps, but maybe not that easy to understand. Maybe it's easier on Google. I, I don't know. I've never used it. Well, it's, it's, when they're saying the assistant, are we talking a, a more um, appropriate 
comparison would be the Echo routines. Are we talking that mm. sort of level here? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because you're ta- if you're talking Google Assistant, you're talking Google, Google Home, Assistant, right? Yeah, but of course yeah, that Google will Home, expand into available. the UI of an Android device as well. So it's going to be Absolutely. a bit more than that. Yes. Um, Chrome for iOS and Android getting a feature that detects typos in the address bar to suggest websites based on what uh, users typed. The feature is already available on the desktop and can be especially useful for people with dyslexia. So there you go. Very um, good. Also, Google highlighting how its Magnifier app, which is available on Pixel 5 and newer models, can zoom in up to 30 times to help people with low vision read small text or identify details in their environment. Guided Frame, which is a Pixel 8 and Pixel 8 Pro feature, although I thought that came out on Pixel 7, did it not? I am almost certain it did, but I could be absolutely wrong on that. Oh, hang on. It says here, yes, it can identify what's in front of the camera and will roll out to Pixel 6 Plus devices, or I guess uh, Pixel 6 and, you know, following devices um, later this year. Interesting. I thought that was already out. There should be absolutely no reason why that should be software locked like that. I'm pretty sure that is a software lock. Why yeah. would they do that? It's it's like Apple with Siri on the 4S. Um, yep, yeah, okay, but still, it's a nice little feature, that. And also, Google Maps adding wheelchair-accessible options for walking routes, as well as wheelchair accessibility information on maps for Android Auto and Android Automotive. That's pretty cool. Um, Lens in Maps, a feature previously known as Search with Live View, is also adding screen reader support. So that could be quite useful as well. Well, the Maps app is... Never used uh, yeah. as in the lens with maps, uh, obviously because it had no screen reader support. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll check that out. Sounds cool. I think it's, it, you know, the one thing about Google, and you know, I know people often jump into the comparisons with Android or Apple, but I think, you know, Google is a company that is really taking its time over its accessibility features. And you could say it's taken a little bit longer than it necessarily should, but. I think we can all agree that the resources are probably less on the accessibility side anyway. The fact is that they mm-hmm. are probably wanting to bring out features that are more meaningful. So I, I don't know. I think this sort of slower rollout is actually not a bad thing. Um, as long as the day you want there. it to work. Yeah, and there's some interesting things happening uh, with the Google accessibility. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to try these out. I mean, you, you could make the same accusation at any company, really. You know, it, it's too slow, but... Yeah, at least we're getting some coming through. Um, So Microsoft also announced a couple of accessibility updates. We know about this one because we heard about it from Anita Mortelloni from uh, Xbox, who told us this recently about the new accessibility in games channel on the Xbox store. Uh, The new channel will display all games with accessibility feature tags, and Xbox players can filter games based on various accessibility features like gameplay and audio. That's pretty cool. Um... That's very impressive. I like that a lot. Windows 11, the game bar is getting a new game accessibility settings menu. Uh, There, players will be able to find visual and audio-related accessibility controls, such as speech-to-text and text-to-speech. On consoles, the September update introduced the ability to pair Xbox controllers right from the Xbox Accessories app without the need to press the console's pair button. Microsoft is currently testing with Xbox Insiders the ability to remap controller buttons to almost 90 keyboard keys. These uh, remapping options will only be available on the Xbox Adaptive Controller and Elite Series 2 within the Xbox Accessories app. So lots of work being done to make 
these devices easier to use. Um, now we're talking here, I'm imagining for more people who have uh, physical issues using devices, but I can kind of see some benefits here as well because there are more games, of course, coming out that are, I mean, we know about Forza Motorsport, everyone's raving about it online. That's all I read about are yeah. the, the blind gamers I'm following saying, you know, this is actually accessible to me. So being able to control the, you know, blind people will probably have no reason not to use the Elite Series device that particular handheld uh, controller but you know they might want to remap some buttons and that will be available so that's cool and you can do that in the app as well it's kind of this is where I think the the benefit for Xbox is that it's got that Microsoft connection so you can do a lot of things on the PC that can influence the Xbox console which is kind of cool you can't really do that with PlayStation right it's it's all built into the PlayStation so if that's not accessible there for whatever reason you've got a problem. Well, yeah, there's a connection there because of the work and accessibility they do with their OS anyway. Uh, you know, there's a there's a that, that foundation that's already there for the Xbox, which is cool. I will say, the Xbox Game Bar on Windows, I mean, great that they're adding this game's accessibility functionality in there, but how about making the actual Game Bar itself accessible? I mean, that would be handy in order to see what those accessibility features were it is i suppose technically visible to your screen reader but navigate navigating around the game bar is a chore and is confusing and uh it needs work there sorry i'm never happy i am a grumpy man today no no well i have to say i it's not that i'm grumpy about it but i'm just not a gamer and i think i'm not a gamer because i i mean look I'm, i'm just being totally blunt about it when I was growing up, these games were not accessible to me in any way. Yeah. And, you know, as a kid, because we were talking about this uh, for tomorrow's show, tomorrow on Access Tech Live, we're going to be getting into this whole discussion about uh, accessible gaming and how things have improved so much and very speedily as well. So that's uh, well worth checking out on, on Access Tech Live over on AMI-TV, 12 noon Eastern tomorrow. But, you know, it, it kind of, it's always a difficult one for me. It's a bit, bit of a bittersweet pill to swallow because... I, it's great that I see all these games coming down the line that are accessible. I just, if I'm honest, I still feel there was so much m- missed. It's a bit like, you know, there's a learning that goes with all these things, right? If you buy a console, gamers will talk about gaming, you know, like the way you use a particular key or a particular button or, you know, it's just like it's built in knowledge. Yes. And that's something that comes over time. Now, I'm not saying that I couldn't learn all that stuff, but... I just feel it's that combined with the, is this game accessible? Will this game work for me? And, you know, how many games are accessible? That's what I want to know. How many games are actually accessible for me? If I was to buy an Xbox tomorrow or a PlayStation 5, what would I be able to buy? Would I get, like, five games and that's it? Out of how many games exist? Uh, yeah, and I don't want to be negative about it because I know there's a lot of great work going on. Course. But I think, you know, this is it's great when you're inside the bubble. Right? When you're inside the gaming world and you're a gamer and you've got your console and you're playing and it's all wonderful and it feels great. I get that 100%. But there's people like me who are interested in it but just don't feel they want to make that kind of investment. Because if I make that investment, mm. am I going to be satisfied with that decision? Am I wasting my time? Because I'm, yeah. I'm going to play like two games, get really hooked and it's like, oh, that's it, sorry. How many options are you going to have? Yeah. You know what, for me, it's totally different. And this may be, uh, this may upset some people, but I'm just not sure I can connect to a game as I used to, even with low vision. 
Now I can't see the screen at all. How connected, how involved can I get into a game? Um, I'm not convinced yet. I, I, I must say that. I'm just not. When I was low vision, I, was, I got a lot of time out of games uh, on the PC, you know, Left 4 Dead and Half-Life 2 and whatever else it may be, Grand Theft Auto 5 even, towards the end. But uh, that was low vision. And the accessibility features there for low vision would make a huge difference. And a lot of people can benefit from those. And people, uh, now I've got no usable vision when it comes to playing games, would I still connect in the same way? Possibly. I just don't, I just don't know. Hmm. That's a really good question. But okay, let me put some equivalence on that for you and see how you feel about this. So what about movies? How do you feel about movies? I knew you were going to go there. Yeah, because right, I'm thinking about audio description, right? Do we feel the same way watching a movie with audio description today? Even the same movie we might have watched when we could see it more clearly without audio description. Hmm. Do you get the same out of it? I do get the same out of a movie. Yes, I think so. Anyway, but I, I, I'm just, I'm not involved. I mean, it's a passive experience for me, movie watching, right? I've got no influence on what happens. Whereas with gaming, part of the adrenaline rush was because I was in control and trying to get past a certain bit or, mm. you know, uh, that, that is the interaction aspect. And if a certain, if the visual aspect of that is taken away... Are you still as connected? I suppose that comes down to, though, I mean, it's very easy to say, oh, well, if you can't see it, you can't connect to it, and you're out of it. That's the dismissive part of it. That's the sighted view, isn't it? Exactly right. You could could imagine sighted people saying that. Yeah, and that's kind of what I've, the position I'm in here. That's kind of what I'm saying. But the the skill of it and the genius of it is it comes when these accessibility features are made available and say, ha. This is how. Now you feel that connection. I just, you know, I'm just out of it. And I'm sort of like you said, I don't know if I want to make that investment to see if I can get back into it. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know how many of you guys out there actually are into gaming in any meaningful way. Whenever we do shows about it, I've noticed we don't get much of a response. And I kind of feel that's because we don't really get into it. I don't think we are that in, as excited about it. I mean, I like to share stories about the development and I like to talk about the, the work that's been done because I think it's important to highlight it. It's good for us to know these things, but it's not necessarily something I think we would spend hours on hours talking about because it's not really our thing. Um, not, certainly not for me. I mean, and, and anyway, you're a night manager, aren't you, most of the time on Echo? So, <laughs> Well, that's true. See, and I do have a connection there. With, with the community, with the multiplayer aspect of it. So, I mean, perhaps I, I am just being old-fashioned. Perhaps I'm just showing my age when it comes to video games. I, I just don't think I I could get connected or as involved with a, Possibly, with a yeah. video game yeah. anymore. I think I'm the yeah. same. Mm. I think I'm the same. Uh, so, yeah, that's the those are the big stories of the week in terms of, or the day, actually, uh, regarding Google accessibility, announcing all of this uh, just late yesterday, and also... Uh, Xbox accessibility dropping these announcements as well. Not new hardware so much. I mean, obviously, we did hear about Sony announcing this PlayStation. Uh, I think it was called Project Leonardo, wasn't it? The um, oh, the okay. name of the controller. Oh, the controller. Yes, sorry. Yes, absolutely. Yes. They've been working with Logitech, I think, to develop this. And yeah. this is now being made, or I believe will be coming out as a product 
uh, if not already, are, are rolling out very slowly um, because these things don't often come out very quickly. I've noticed they, they maybe start in a territory, the US first, and then everyone else gets it, <laughs> maybe. Um, but this will roll out, and I think it'll be quite interesting to see how it gets used. Uh, so, you know, if you're into this, if you're into gaming, if you want to hear me talk more about it, I mean, or not so much me, but people who actually are in this field. No, then stuff. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I'm thinking about the people we've had on the show before. We used to get, like, Sighted Combat on, Steve Saylor, of course, Steve Saylor, of course, Amazing yeah. Amazing guy. But, I mean, th- th- see, there is an active community around this. Oh, yeah. So I, I feel, that's why I said, you know, I feel slightly bad about saying what I said. But um, there is definitely an active community and people that get a lot out of it. I think it's okay to say you're not into gaming, right? I mean, it's not like we're not creating no, of course a it, world no, of, where suddenly all the... Companies that are, you know, they've invested all this money. Go, ah, Stephen and Sean said they're not interested, so scrap all that work. <laughs> yeah, but at the Sack same everybody. time, I don't want anyone to come away after listening to my opinion saying, oh, well, I can't. In that case, I can't connect. I can't play video games myself because I've got no usable vision. Because it might not be the case. Just mm. how I um, feel. Listen, it's not the only big news of the day. Breaking no, there's news. more. Breaking news. It's kind of sad news, actually. So, uh, you know the uh, Sunu band? I've talked about this before. The Sunu band, which was the... You wear it around your wrist. It uses sonar to uh, help you essentially navigate. A little bit like what the WeWalk smart cane is doing, although it's in the cane. It's just something you wore on your wrist, and you would sort of angle your wrist, and you could use the sonar to uh, get vibration feedback on what was ahead of you. So if you had a clear run ahead of you, it would be, be no vibration at all. If you came up against something, a wall, you were walking up to a wheelie bin or whatever it might be, then you might get that uh, feedback. Well, unfortunately, the company has uh, been shut down. That's it. The company's finished. Uh, so the sad news is that it's gone. It's very abrupt of you there, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's, I don't know how to say it. It's gone. It's finished. Yeah. It's done. Uh, and uh, we actually got, well, we didn't get this statement directly to us, but we, this statement has been issued on social media, and uh, Laura has very kindly read this for us. This is the statement from the company. It'll give us a bit of an insight into what's happened. And for those of you with Sunu bands, if you have one and you want to know what's uh, going on and what will happen next and what will happen to your product, well, th- this should hopefully answer your question. Dear Sunu community, I am Marco Triulo, founder and CEO of Sunu. Today, I write to you with a heavy heart regarding some important changes to our company. In June 2023, a decade after the inception of our adventure with Sunu, we have regrettably reached a point where we have no alternative but to cease operations due to financial insolvency. Despite the ceaseless efforts of our incredible team and our earnest attempts to secure financing, Sunu's weak financial position was jeopardised by unforeseen manufacturing challenges and aggravated by an increasingly competitive market, resulting in an unavoidable closure. I apologise for not communicating sooner, but we were focused on resolving the many complications that arose and developing a comprehensive plan for Sunu's future. About the Sunu band warranty. Due to the unexpected manufacturing challenges and financial insolvency, Sunu won't be able to provide funds or product replacements – This is not a reality we anticipated, and I extremely regret our inability to fulfil these obligations, for which I sincerely apologise and kindly ask for your understanding during these difficult times. As a token for our appreciation for your support, we are offering free Shocks Bone Conduction earphones to users affected by this situation. Unfortunately, we only count on a limited amount of pieces, so they will be distributed on a first-come, first-served basis. While we accept that isn't a perfect solution, 
we hope that this gesture conveys our sincere gratitude for your loyalty and trust in SUNY. Regarding the SUNY app, I'm happy to share that SUNY will maintain the app throughout the rest of this year, and then it will be transferred to one of SUNY's trusted partners so that it continues to be active for as long as users need it. There won't be any further development, instead all premium features are now unlocked for all users. We won't be able to address all customer queries personally due to our limited resources. Instead, we've set up an updated FAQ on our website, sunu.io, which will regularly update based on the inquiries and comments we receive via email at hello at sunu.io or on our Facebook page. As we move forward, Sunu's technology and intellectual property will be offered to leading assistive technology companies who share our vision of effortless navigation. We have faith that these partners will carry on our pioneering spirit and continue to serve our beloved community with new products and services. Before closing up, I want to express from the bottom of my heart that, even though this is a very hard step for me to take, I'm deeply grateful for all your unwavering support over the years and for the opportunity to let this passionate team create an impact in this world. It was a beautiful journey. Thank you so much. So, you know, sad words, right? And it's a sad day for the company. And of course, anyone losing their job, it's never good. And that's not something anybody would be uh, in any way happy about, of course. Um, This is a reality of living in this space, isn't it? It's a reality of the job that people go into this, you know, into the space. Because, you know, once you're in here, you realize very quickly that if your product works, then you might make some money. You're never going to make millions. Um... But you, if it doesn't work, it really doesn't work. And its I don't know if this is because the product, I mean, he talked about competition. He talked about manufacturing challenges, yeah. um, which is not unique to any company, of course. This has been a problem since well, over the last year or two when it comes to manufacturing, especially. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everything's slowed down, right? I mean, since 2020, everything's been a crawl. Um, and of course, the smaller companies have been hit hardest by that. So that's a reality. In terms of competition, um, I mean, the, the immediate company that I think of in, in competition in this area is WeWalk. Yeah, I was thinking. I, I, maybe I others. Seeing, I know there are other products out there. Well, but the mini guide is probably closer. Mm. Um, I don't know. It, again, it, it's it's a problem I fear we may see more and more of, right? Because what what, what do they do? I think that was a, a heartfelt um, statement given there. Yes. Uh, so I, I. I, what 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 other outcome could they have done? I think they're trying to do their best. You know, if if you bought one recently, would you be happy with that? I don't know. But the the, the facts of the matter is that the, the finances are no longer there. Um, again, specialized tech, niche market. These are the realities. Um, what could they have done? Doubled the price, the retail price. Would, would that have firmed up and gave us a longer lifespan? But then well, this would people is, this have paid is the problem, it? right? This <laughs> is the problem. Because if they had turned around and said, look, we can save this company, we have to double the price of the Sunu band, I think they'd have gone under even quicker. And yes. people wouldn't have supported it. Now, of course, today, and I've already had emails and comments from people saying, you know, leading up to this, and, and thank you to those who pointed us to the news as well. But, you know, we had obviously read this. But you know, a lot of people saying, you know, I hope this isn't... Um, I hope people are not happy about this or pleased about this, and we should we should respect this. And I'm, I'm with I'm with everyone in that. But I oh, also think, but I also think that if they had turned around and said, 
there's a problem here and we need to, I think people would be up in arms saying, I'm not paying that extra because that's what we've seen before, right? Whenever someone says this product, you know, it's not making money. And the most recent example I can think of in this space is with Winston Chen and Voice Dream Reader. Yes. I mean, that's, an, that's almost a perfect example of this. Again, in the same space, deciding that he had to move to a subscription model and he got hounded for it. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. You know, it's, you either want this product, and if you want it, you're going to have to pay for it. Now, of course, the Sunu band people are paying for, and they were paying a fairly, you know, I mean, a considered price. I think we were talking about $300 for it, something like that. Yes. Um, it's not cheap, you know. Um, but it's it's that continual development. How do these companies continue? And I think there's a there's a missing conversation here. There's a missing part in all of this that whenever companies sell these products, these individual products, the the, the continual development is not built in, and that's the problem. Because the the suggestion is, or the idea I think in these companies is that they build a product, they get it out there. And then people love it and they rave about it and then everyone buys one. But that's not how this market works. It never works like that. It never has. There's not. There's just not enough of us to I make that a reality. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You you listen to anyone talking about the mini guide. I think everyone raves about it. I've heard very few people say, oh, yeah, I tried it. It was okay. So is it down to the product itself? I mean, you know, God love them. Was it practical as a mobility aid? Well, hang on, though, because I don't know the mini guide, right? I don't know it well enough. But my understanding is that that device is pretty standalone in what it does. Yes. Now, the Sunu band is, con- is continually being developed. It's got an app, which he, he talked about. Yes. That requires development, right? So if, this, if you buy something, if I buy a light bulb, then I'll replace it when the light bulb goes out. But, of course, these days, a light bulb could last for 10, 15 years, right? So I've got that light bulb, that's it. But I don't need anything else as a result of that. Now, I often thought, you know, when companies started making these light bulbs that could last longer, I thought, goodness, these light bulb companies aren't going to last around very long because once they've sold them all, no one's going to buy anymore. Yes. And that's, and that's a problem, right? That, that is a problem. How do you continue to keep investment coming into the company once people have got the product. And I think that's that's that's, that's the difficulty the specialist yeah. market in particular faces. And that will not be unique to blindness, but it is something I think these companies have to think about. And the ones that are smart about it are talking about subscriptions. And I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying it's great that we have to spend more money. But at the same time, if we want products to survive, we have to pay for them. Well, we're back to the Envision discussion again, aren't we? I mean, great there's example no way... Of it, yeah. No way on earth I would ever purchase Envision glasses because I couldn't afford that initial price. Now, they're offering the $150 a month um, subscription edition. There's a chance I could actually test those out, whereas before, absolutely not. So there is that argument to it. Because that allows for that company to get inward investment on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and mm. that's that's the smart move. That is, it's, it's the only way for it to continue. People still have to be paid. I you say know, everyone that. might love what they do, and everyone might love what they do in their job. But you know, the mortgage company doesn't care about that. <laughs> we, they, they, every company needs a revenue stream, and a, a one-off payment it, it just may not be sustainable anymore. I'm not. I, I'm just unconvinced that $150 a month is sustainable to the majority mm. of the end users like me. 
Well, that, that's, that's, that's definitely a, a question a mark. Absolutely. And there's a question mark around how much is too much, how much is right. Um, I think there's always an assumption, weirdly, in our market. And it's so weird, isn't it? Because the stats never marry up with what is presented. So the stats are that more blind people of working age are out of work in yes. Canada, the US, the UK, right? So in those countries alone, the number of working age people who are out of work probably tops around 70, 75%, right? On That's what I've always heard, yes. And yet, whenever you look at the prices of products that we buy, they are significantly higher. Now, okay, you can look at individual products and you could say, well, you know, again, we go back to the subject of a Braille display, right? So a Braille display costs maybe 5000 Okay, I get that, right? That that pricing is not just for individuals. That pricing is for business. That pricing is for education markets. It's for a whole wide range of different things. Um, And there are cheaper options out there. But I think when it comes to things like Envision and I see $150 a month, I think, let's go back to those figures again. (laughs) How many people are out of work? And how many people do you expect to buy that product? If it was $20 a month, yeah, I think that might be feasible. Now, is that feasible for the company? Yeah, That's exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to pay $5 a month, but the, you know, the company goes out of business. How do you square that circle? I, I know. It's really, really difficult. I'm, I'm still really interested in the, the, the amount of people that have. Let's take Braille displays because they are, uh, you know, uh, uh, the value there is undeniable, but the price is also quite shocking. How many people yeah. actually own a Braille display that wasn't bought for them for educational or employment purposes? How many people? I, yeah, I, I fear. I fear that's the problem with Braille to some degree. It's that it, it's kind of Braille has become something for a minority of blind people. Yes, because it's priced so high that it's just not feasible for a lot of people to even access Braille displays. Now we, we see pr- products and and services like. Uh, what is going on in the States with the NLS, National Library Service e-reader scheme, where people are getting access to that reader, uh, which is, yes. I think, a 20-cell Braille display from memory, from Humanware. I think it's a, a, a partnership with Humanware. Um, and it's a 20-cell Braille display that they're getting access to. So, you know, that's good because that's getting Braille devices into the hands. And really, to be honest, that's the only way this is going to work. I mean, to me, it seems like all, the only way that you can actually get this and the way that Braille should continue to exist, if it's going to exist at all in the future, especially at lower cost, or, or forget lower cost, just for it to exist, is for it yes. to become something that is issued by a government. You know, it's almost like, you know, if you need a Braille display, you should get one. That's Because that may be the only way for it to survive, you know, because you have this chasm between, uh, I, I want, I really want personally, I want the Mantis Q40, but then I look at the price and yes, I think, yeah. I can buy two MacBooks for that. And, you know, I'm not going to do that at the moment. It's just too, it's just too much money to spend well, at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and more than that, at the current time, you know, the cost of living and everything, it'd be a case of, well, I, I got a mortgage to pay or, you know, <laughs> I'm going to keep the heating on over winter. Yeah. I mean, it, it becomes even more fundamental than just disposable income because a lot of people just don't have that. Maybe a rental yeah. scheme. Maybe that is, maybe, I mean, because that's essentially what Envision is, right? I mean, Envision reading absolutely. into it is more of yes. a rental scheme. You're, you, I mean, because what it says in the, the, the blurb around this is you've got the, the ability to get a hold of either brand new or used glasses. So returned, perhaps, that have been fixed or whatever, and you get them instead. So you're paying money. Now, you could argue if I'm paying $150 a month, 
I might want something brand new out the box, but okay. Um, again, it's always a bit compromised in the blind world, isn't it? It's, comp- it's never like, you know, I, I want the brand new Porsche 911 and, you know, I'm going to get it and I want it in red and brand new out the factory. And they go, ah, well, we've got this battered old, you know, whatever around the well, back. You can have that instead. Could you For see the that same ha- money. Could you see that happening in a more mainstream sector? That wouldn't happen. No, that's what I mean. You know, yeah, if you no, asked for right. the Porsche and you, and you said, and they'll give you a beaten, a beaten up blue one that's lying out the back for the same price, you'd be like, really? I don't think so. And this is what I mean. It's, it's There's a compromise that always seems to exist. We must go to break. Um, <laughs> we could continue this conversation all day. <laughs> we could. Stick around. This is Double Tap. This is Double Tap from AMI-audio. Email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us, 877-803-4567. And find us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, at Double Tap On Air. And now on Mastodon, at Double Tap. Do you know why we keep having this conversation around money? And I've realized this. The reason I think it's happening, the reason we keep this conversation going and it keeps coming up, is because I think we're starting to recognise our own value in the world. I don't know about you, but I, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling like Ooh. I'm feeling less like I want to be seen. I, I feel every day, to some degree, when I meet people, I'm felt like made to feel like some second class, third class, fourth class citizen. Yes. You know, someone who, you know, the, the fact I managed to pull on a jumper and leave the house is some incredible achievement. And I kind yes. of feel, I don't want to be seen like that anymore. And I don't want companies who should know better. I understand individuals. I get not everybody can get it. And I understand that there's always going to be attitudes. And that's something we have to learn to live with, right? We live in reality. We don't live in some utopia where everyone just gets it. That's not going to happen, guys. So stop hoping for that world. Stop hoping we can change everyone's mind because it's not going to work. You know, all you do is just force people into a corner and, well, you know the result of that. So... It's not about that. What it is about, though, is telling companies who should know better that we are customers as well. And we have a say in this. We have a, we have a part to play in this. And when it comes to these devices, look, give us options and we'll be interested. You say to me, look, you can have the Mantis Q40 for $30 a month on a rental scheme. I'd be interested in that. And I think more people would be interested in that. I think more people would take up in that option, especially if you said, hey, when the new one comes out, you'll get that as well. We'll send, you know, send the old one back, you get the new I one. I agree. I'd be up for that. I'd be like, I'll take that deal tomorrow because then com- at least I can afford it. But don't we keep coming back to the same, and this may be just, you know, a, a, a myth almost. We keep coming back to, yeah, the prices are that high because they're aiming it at governments, at education, at, at organizations that simply pay the the price without really considering it too much. Uh, That's why the price tag is that high. Um, I'm not even sure how true that is. Again, we're coming back to other, you know, the the demand of of scale and and the small market. Well, the argument is always leveled that, you know, well, it's such a small market, the price has to be higher. Um, I think that's partially true. If you were just selling that product to consumers... That's how far I would go with that argument. I get that. If you were saying to me, and I'm not, this is not one company, I think this is all companies that, that sell products, specifically, let's just say for blind people. I think that these products are uh, marked up immensely a lot of the time for business, for governments to buy. And unfortunately, what doesn't happen is they don't create a consumer level for that. That's- Why? Be- 
because yes. they, they only see the value in the government money because there's more money there. Yeah, exactly. But there's a huge market of people who are not able to buy your product because you've, you've priced it too high. You've priced it for government. You've priced it for business. You've priced it for education. You've not priced it for the average individual. Will, will these companies collapse if they started doing some kind of dual model? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, look, we had all this conversation with Ira. Remember that whole thing about... Absolutely. Back then yes. when they were confused, people were confused about one versus the other. And it was like, well, just, just, have, a, just have an enterprise. Call. Every website I go to for subscription, when we look for whatever platform it might be we use for video or TV or, or, or audio or whatever it is, you go into the, the pricing structure and it will say, you know, this is the average price, $5 a month or whatever. And then you go up to $10 a month for like a pro or maybe $25 for a pro. And then there's an enterprise, which is give us a call, we'll chat. Yes. <laughs> and you know that's going to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, but that's okay because that's for business. Yeah. And why yeah, can't exactly. I don't understand why these specialist companies just can't work to that model? It seems pretty simple to me. It seems to work. Are they, are they, honestly, it sounds like the voter fraud argument, you know? It's like, oh, well, everyone will just start paying the, the cheapest price. Really? Will they? Can they? I mean, if a company calls up, are you going to put a, a fake moustache on and kid on you're not a company? Hello, I'm here from uh, Stephen Scott, um, individual person, honest company, limited. <laughs> yeah, you would be great, mate, honestly. No, but, maybe uh, not. No. I think they'd no, see through I, me. I, I agree, but look, it's 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 a real difficult. It's not a, a black and white situation because we can see from the company's point of view as well, and of course from you know the end user point of view because we are end users to this technology. So I, I don't know. I just think there's a discussion to be had. Mm. Well, I'm sure we've started it. I'm sure the keys of keyboards are being tapped <laughs> off as we speak. Um, now, speaking of expensive tech, <laughs> oh, what, what a time to bring this interview in. Oh, oh so, dear. <laughs> um, as you know, last week I was at CES in Amsterdam for CES Unveiled, the Consumer Electronics Show, which was looking ahead to the events of 2024 and what the big tech um, trends will be. So we were there looking at all that. And uh, while I was there, I spoke to lots of interesting companies. Today, I wanted to play you in this interview because I think it's quite interesting, kind of apt as well, considering what we're talking about, which is really expensive tech. This is not going to end up in your house at any point unless you have got the money to spend on it. Um, but this is, again, it's not really what CES is about. You're not walking around CES saying, oh, what could I buy? That's not how it works. Uh, unless you have, you know, several billion in the bank. What it's more about is showcasing what technology is coming and will eventually trickle down. And this is the difference, I think, with what mainstream companies are doing versus specialist, which is what they start with is a an expensive product, get out there, and then as the consumers take interest, they bring the price down. That doesn't seem to happen in our world, but it does mm -hmm. happen in the mainstream yeah. world. Now, of course, we can argue the reasons for that, but let's find out today all about Virtual Walk. Uh, and uh, a treadmill with the difference. Hi, my name is Frank Nievenhuis. I'm one of the uh, owners of the uh, company VirtuWalk. Uh, basically what it is, it's a haptic treadmill uh, on which you can walk in real 3D, so you can walk, turn corners, and get the experience of being in a, in a live area outside. And you can do this on your own, visiting the Grand Canyon, or you can uh, walk together in the Grand Canyon with um, uh, friends uh, 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 who is also online on the same kind of system. So it's really about experience while walking. And on a normal treadmill, you just walk straight. And here you can actually walk or you feel your brain tells you that you're walking corners or 
free in the in the environment. So describe this to me because I'm trying to visualize this in my head. Explain this to me in a way that I can understand how this works because the idea of turning left on a treadmill sounds like disaster. So, so explain to me how this works. So I will explain you how it works. It's, it's, it's basically really simple. Your brain thinks you're turning a corner when, when you have some kind of experience. And the most important thing is your vision. So once your vision thinks you're taking, turning a corner, that's what you're doing. And you're holding a steering bar. And when you want to walk left, you automatically press uh, uh, on the steering bar a little bit. And then we make the screen turn. And then you feel like you're making a turn, whereas you're not. But 80 or 90% of the, of the experience is your vision. So once you, once you have your vision turn as a result of your upper body giving, giving some forces on the handlebar, then you really experience that you're making a turn, but you're not. You're, you're forgetting about your legs, your legs just walk straight, and, and you, you have the experience you make a turn. Really cool. How did this come about? What, what prompted you to design this? Ah, very good question. I was a, a treadmill producer for a long time, and we made very high-end treadmills, in, and you were walking in an IMAX theater. This is for rehabilitation. And then we noticed you couldn't take a turn, because you always had to walk straight. And then we had these nice environments, but you always had to walk straight. And so we were triggered. How can we make a turn? And then finally, we found out how to do it. So we, we, we have a handlebar, and the handlebar, we see how your, your upper body is giving a force. And if you want to turn, that's what you do with your upper body. You make a torque, so you turn left. We, de we detect that, and then we make the screen go, uh, and then you get the experience you're actually making a turn. You mentioned that it came out of an idea, I mean, obviously around your own treadmill production, but also uh, rehabilitation. So this is somewhere, where, another area where this could be really useful yeah well I, I think the most important here is is uh, rehabilitation of your experience so for people that are afraid to go outside uh, people that are afraid of dogs people that are so in in those kind of things we see markets outside rehabilitation but in rehabilitation lots of these kind of things we can play with the environment and make it more and more stressful slowly yeah, so instead of making going outside in a nice quiet environment we create a nice quiet environment and we place and, and we do things. Also EMDR, EMDR for example, you have to, to be around and, 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 and have your eyes move at a certain point. Well, we can do that by following a bird in the sky. So you're, you're doing the treatment while you're not even realizing you're doing the treatment. That, that improves the, the effectiveness. Uh, does disability play a part in any of this? Do you ever think about disabled people and how they could benefit from this? Well, the basic thing is, I always make treadmills for rehabilitation. That was my profession. So it was, it was built with rehabilitation in mind. And then afterwards we said, oh, but this is also good for architecture and those kind of things. But we actually started building it for EMDR purposes. So for rehabilitation. And is this a product we can buy now? Yeah, it's, it's a, it is buyable at this moment. Um, uh, we, have, we have developed it over the past few years, two, three years. Uh, and it's now getting available. This is why we're going to the CIS. And how much does it cost? Uh, that, is, that, is, that depends a little bit on how much software, uh, but it will be in the order of 40 to 50,000 euros. So it's a considered purchase. And, and are you imagining this for individuals at home? I mean, could you envisage a consumer product here or is this mainly for, for either hospitals or, or, or places, gyms or whatever who might want to invest in that? 
Yeah, we, we think in the beginning it will be for a professional market. And once the numbers go up, once it starts to be a little bit of a product, it will, it will come down, of course. That is always how it goes. But in the beginning, you need to have a lot of um, uh, support and a lot of uh, uh, overhead and you have small numbers. So you have to start at a reasonable price in order for us to survive. Uh, and over time, when, when numbers in the professional market will pick up, I think after, after a while it will also be available for private persons. Having said that, there's lots of people that, have, that, that, that could really benefit, and they are private people, and they are a little better off than average. Of course, we will, we will work with that as well. So I don't think you're going to be rushing out to buy one of those anytime soon, Sean, uh, nor me. <laughs> As you said, Stephen, that's a considered purchase. I mean, well done there, by the yeah, way. Yeah, no, that's the most <laughs> diplomatic way of saying, how much? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is, of course, it's expensive. And, you know, but that's not why we were at CES. We weren't looking for the most affordable tech. Uh, if we were, we would never find it. Um, but it was more about showing what the capabilities are. And again, how this kind of technology is evolving. I mean, imagine having a treadmill where you can walk around and be sociable with people, uh, turn corners. I mean, that, all that seems unbelievable, doesn't it? It does. But again, it's all about the concept, right? And there does seem to be a health concept running through the upcoming CES. Um, We've seen this with Peloton bikes. You know, it's got that social yet um, alone aspect to it, individual aspect to it, where Mm -hmm. you can do it. You know, I, I do struggle going out and about, walking out and about, and especially with someone else. I always feel... And maybe this will pass, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with someone. And I, I, I'm tending to fall behind with someone when I'm walking next to them. Um, so, actually, being able to do that—imagine if we had a treadmill that we could connect together and we could go for a walk together, Stephen. That'd be quite cool, right? I mean, joking aside, I, I mean, that would be. Yeah, quite I know cool. it, it does. It does seem like something like we'd go. Yeah, right. That's never, 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 never. But it is kind of cool because I'll be honest: the treadmill is the only time where I feel I can walk freely like properly freely. Yeah. I don't have a cane yeah. in my hand. It's quite, it was interesting because when I was at CES, I had Valerie with me. So Valerie was taking me around and I actually said to her, look, would you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my cane away. Is it all flat in here? She said, yeah, no steps in here at all. And it was great just to walk around without that cane I know. in my hand. I know. I know exactly so what you mean. Yeah. And, and we, you know, again, you just don't get that every day, right? I mean, as much as we, some people maybe, maybe like to, I, I just can't do it. I, I don't know how people can... But it's all well, down to the level of vision, right? Just, just taking away the disability from it, it's just um, the treadmill is so boring to do anyway. I used to hate the treadmill when I used to go to the gym. It was just boring. So just that, that ability to, I don't know, multiplayer exercise, it just seems really cool to me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> taking away the disability for a second as well. Um, it's also the ability to breathe enough to have a conversation with someone. Sometimes you might not want the social aspect until maybe like, like five weeks in, then we'll introduce the social aspect. Otherwise, trying to breathe whilst walking, that could be a challenge. Um, okay, let's move on to... Uh, and, and by the way, if you want to catch up with all the interviews we did at CES, then uh, check them out on Saturday's CES special. We'll be taking a look at uh, all of the big announcements and upcoming announcements as well from Las Vegas in 2024. Uh, we'll uh, get into all the very latest news on that, who will be uh, keynotes there and uh, who will be speaking. Uh, you know, it's funny because Mark and I have been talking about whether we take the TV show out there. And um, I, I'm not keen on the journey, if I'm honest. <laughs> that, that CES in Vegas is a wonderful experience, but it is so intense. And I think, you know what, it kind of, this is one of those occasions where I think I'd rather leave it to someone else. 
um, because I just feel it's just so much. There's there's so much I'll miss. I don't doubt. And you know, I will say this though: they do have a fantastic accessibility team. So if you do want to go, if you are intending to go, then you you can get support. There will be volunteers who will will take you around and spend the day with you and make sure you you get as much as you can out of it. But I found it very exhausting last time. Mm, what does it add? What would you get from actually being there? Um, I feel I can get more out of my RSS feed just following it. Honestly, I mean, I, there's so much, so much news there, and it's over three. Well, in the interviews huge that you hotels. do anyway, you, you, you yeah. don't need to be in person all the time. Um, for is that me, because we didn't be... invite you? Is that why you're saying that, right? Well, so if we yeah, invited exactly. you, suddenly it's like, actually, do you know what? I think we should go. I think it would be the value no, there. No, no. The, the, the thing for me is is the audience <laughs> participation, right? And if you can get to interact with people that actually watch the show, that that's that's the biggest part. Geeks, I think not. <laughs> okay, fair enough. You heard it. <laughs> Steve's <laughs> calling everyone geeks. Wow, nothing wrong with geeks, but they don't tend to speak. That's the problem. Geeks don't speak. Get on a t-shirt. Right, so... (laughs) Have you ever met a geek? Uh, Right, listen, Elliot got in touch. We're going to bring in this uh, email before we go and uh, hear from you guys. So Elliot writes in about accessible monitors. Laura reads our emails. Hello, all. Any recommendations for accessible monitors to pair with my Mac Mini? Previously had a 27-inch iMac and bought a Dell 27-inch monitor to go with my Mac Mini. But who knew even setting up a monitor can be so problematic in terms of accessibility? I have a little bit of sight, but not enough to read the on-screen setup menus, and I can't adjust screen brightness with the function keys on my Apple keyboard. I have downloaded an application from Dell, but for some reason I am unable to run it. Stephen, fancy selling me the Apple Studio display? Take care all. (laughs) Keep tapping. Elliot from a rainy pool. (laughs) Keep tapping. I love that. Double tap for you. How many E's were in that keep that Laura did that? That was very good. Keep tapping. (laughs) Accessible monitors. Now, this is very interesting, as in accessible on-screen menus. Mm. I I don't know of any, Um, Stephen. I know of one. Of course you do. Is it Samsung? It is. How did Ah. you guess? Yes. Um, So Samsung have got this smart monitor. They've been selling it for a while now, but there's different versions of it. There's, I think it's a 27-inch version. Um, Oh, it's actually a bigger one. It's a 24. They've got a 24-inch version and they've got a 32-inch version. I thought there was a 27-inch somewhere as well. Maybe there is. Um, But basically, these smart monitors, and they come up with the, I think it's M5 and M8 are the model numbers you're looking for. Um, Check them out online. There's loads of different options out there, and they have updated them recently, so there are newer ones. And they come in different colours. Different colours as well. Um, So, yeah, if you care about that. You can get it. I think I think they were trying to build a monitor as an alternative to the Apple Studio display, which is of course very expensive. Um, you can pick up some of these, you know, later editions. I mean, the one I got was a thirty-two inch. It was a, it's a fantastic monitor because it has the screen reader for Samsung built in. So every aspect of this monitor is accessible all the brightness settings, all of the controls, all the menus. Now, of course, it's a smart monitor. So what makes it smart other than that? Well, it comes with a remote control. Does that make it smart? Well, I guess it does. Uh, But it does have the ability for you to watch online and on-demand content. So as well as being a monitor that you can connect up your PC to, you can actually use it as a TV in your room as well. They're kind of going, I guess, for that younger person's market, the, the the, the youth of the day who 
I know, disgusting, right? Um, going after this market of people who don't watch regular television, right? Because you're not going to find an aerial port. You're not going to be able to hook up. You could hook up a satellite box, I guess. Yep. Um, YouTube and Netflix, HDMI. that's all they need. But exactly, that's it. They're all they're ever bothering with, right? So that's all on there, and all the apps are there. Now, the third-party apps, maybe not as accessible, but uh, the main thing is that you can certainly use all those functions and you can hook up a USB-C to USB-C cable in your computer and it will charge up your laptop as well if it's a laptop or the Mac Mini you can plug it straight into that USB-C port and get all your video through so that's an option for you and you can connect up USB accessories to the monitor as well oh, and control all that through the Mac nice. Mini pretty cool so, what yeah, was it check called it again? Samsung uh, check out the M5 or the M7 or the M8 those are your model numbers. Elliot, thank you for your email. Thank you guys for getting in touch as always. Catch you tomorrow. Thanks, Sean. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.